I think the work we're doing is not just about smartphones. I think it's about understanding what is it precious about being a human and how do we retain it in the digital world. What people say is that in order to stay relevant, humans will need to be cooperating with each other more and be more empathetic and be more creative. But when we're constantly distracted, right, when we're not able to focus or because we get distracted by technology, we don't really develop these qualities. So it's not just about dependency on the smartphones. It's more like the way technology is designed and the way we use it actually makes us inferior. We behave like worse copies of machines. Uh, machines can multitask, humans don't do it well. Machines can switch between different tasks. They can be productive 24-7. And all those things. So for me, it's ultimately about, you know, how can I be my better self? And my better self often means I'm limiting how much uh, I use technology. Welcome to the Mentality Podcast. We're recording at the incredible Wheatwood Hall Hotel Podcast Studio. This is a podcast that goes way beyond stigma. We talk about men's mental health and mindset. We encourage the type of conversation that will open you up to another way to live life, another way to see yourself and the world around you. If you are ready for that, you're in the right place. I'm Stevie Ward and I'm an ex professional rugby league player and captain and now I guess I'm a bit of a podcaster, speaker, actor, writer, entrepreneur. I'm still working all that out but at Mentality we help men take control of their mindset by teaching them to find purpose, resilience and what I believe is the new success, inner peace. That sounds good. If you are that guy who is waking up to the fact that they need to do something different in life and the same old habits aren't working for you, it might be time to step up. If you want to start your journey with us, you can go to mentality.co.uk forward slash coaching to join the best team you have ever seen. Hello, welcome to the Mentality Podcast. Um, we're delighted to have Anastasia Dedukina. Um, is that right, Anastasia? I know we just checked, but I just wanted to... Sounds good to me. Excellent me. pronunciation. Perfect, thank you. Um, me and Stevie actually went to your talk in Leeds in 2018, I think mm. it was. And I think we grabbed a word of you after, but it really stuck out with me, that talk. And it's one of those things where I actually subscribed to the, the newsletter after. I did some digital coaching and um, I've taken things from it and still implement it in my life. So I think it'd be a really useful conversation. But before we begin, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you came to be where you are with Consciously Digital? Sure, absolutely. Um, so about six years ago now, I was working for one of the big uh, tech companies in uh, London. And my job was to convince people to use more technology. And I was not coping myself with my devices very well. So I was, you know, constantly swiping uh, my smartphone, checking my emails at three in the morning, sleeping with it. And there was really no need to do that, but uh, it was just kind of a habit. And everyone, all of my colleagues were doing the same, just, just because that's how the tech sector and digital marketing, sec marketing sector works. 
And I was finding myself increasingly more uh, worrying and anxious and not really being productive, you know, busy but not productive. And I thought, well, it's time to take a break. So I got rid of my smartphone. And I was qualified at the time as a coach. So I took also the career uh, career break just to figure out what I want to do. And uh, people around me started asking me, oh, do you coach others about how to get rid of your smartphone? I would say, no, not really. And they kept asking. Um, and then at some point I thought, well, maybe there is a demand for this. So I started giving talks. Then one thing followed the other. I was invited to do a TED talk, wrote a book. Then uh, was starting to get way too much work, <laughs> so needed somebody to refer it to. So started telling other people what I've learned, training them as coaches, and long and behold, six years uh, after, I'm running Consciously Digital, which is a, a global network of more than 90 digital well-being coaches now. Uh, so they all train people on their digital habits, uh, not necessarily they train people on getting rid of their devices. Yeah, it's not the idea. The idea is that uh, our lives are increasingly managed by technology and we really need to find a balance. And I think it became very apparent during the pandemic uh, for many people. So uh, it's really about raising awareness and consciousness and giving people tools and empowering them, you know, like to be able to find the balance between uh, their offline lives and online lives. Mm. Just jumping back to that moment you said you got rid of your smartphone, I can imagine for quite a lot of people that feels like an impossible step. What, what, was, that, what was that like? What were the main positives you noticed then? And I wonder, are there, were there any negatives associated with it as well? Mm. So first of all, uh, this jump was very extended in time. It took me five months to get rid of it. So I bought a dumb phone and then I just kept moving my SIM card uh, because uh, it was very appealing, the smartphone. Yeah, they're, they're very smart people who produce them and they know how to, how to do that. Um, so um, I think probably one of the most appealing things was that um, I felt probably after the initial uh, period of being anxious of several days, I felt much calmer. Uh, almost slowed down. I didn't meditate at the time, but people were thinking I meditate just because of the way of how I was. Um, I started talking more to strangers in, uh, you know, asking them for directions. Was generally just went, uh, became more curious, went into random conversations with people, which never happens, right? When you're at the bus stop and you're just busy with your phone, <laughs> why would you approach somebody, ask them anything? Um, on the negative side, to be honest with you, there weren't many negatives. One thing I needed to do more uh, was to uh, plan my day more in advance. So for example, if I needed to be in different places, I needed to look up the map. Um, and also it works really well when you're uh, in the same, living in the same place. When you need to travel, it's a bit more difficult, right? Because you have so many like things you need to look up from your plane tickets. And now obviously it's even more difficult because all the banking apps are in there. So that's why I have the smartphone back, but I'm still trying to uh, use it more mindfully. So I don't uh, try not to work from that. Um, and generally, you know, having access to it doesn't mean that I'm accessible. Uh, 
so when I'm when I'm with somebody, I choose to put it on airplane mode or on silent. Um, and again, it's a personal choice. Uh, it's just that I like to give my attention 100% to something. Uh, don't always manage to, but that's that's the aim. So what what does it look like now for you then, Nastasia? Like, what does life look like for you with various phones, one phone, um, and what type of phone that you do use? I had, uh, so I had two phones. One was a smart, I don't remember, I think it was Samsung something. Uh, and one was uh, a basic Nokia, you know, the one with a snake. So the smartphone was just lying at home and working on the Wi-Fi when I needed to do something, uh, which usually would be the messenger. And this was, by the way, one of the reasons why I chose to stop using WhatsApp and switch to Telegram and Signal. Uh, because apart from the privacy reasons, also you can uh, use uh, the Telegram client um, from your desktop browser as opposed to WhatsApp, which for which you still need the smartphone. Um, and uh, I used so like for that year and a half that I lived with, without a smartphone, which is basically in the chest of drawers, and then I was just walking around uh, with. Uh, Dumb phone. Um, now I walk around with smartphone um, also because I traveled quite a bit in the pandemic. Uh, before the pandemic, um, I used to travel probably every two weeks. Um, now I don't, uh, but um, any work related things happen still on the desktop. Um, anything, uh, so I don't have any social media on my uh, phone either. Um, so this is basically it's uh, where I have messengers, uh, so Telegram and Signal. Uh, it's used for phone calls, for banking apps, and uh, to look up directions if I need. So that's that's probably the main functions. I may occasionally like read some news and so when I'm on the metro, um, but try try not to try try to have a actual book with me. Uh, at, takes a little bit of uh, effort yeah it does a bit uh, more effort than normal and do you have sort of like do you have the discipline you have like the the things put in place in your mind then for being in control being i guess consciously digital because you've not just you as you said there you, you sort of balancing between two phones you've not just thrown the smartphone and gone back a hundred years or maybe let's say 30 years i don't know 20 years but you've actually put things in place so that it doesn't get too overpowering and um, frustrating and anxiety-inducing. Am I right in thinking that? That's a great question. Um, I think it's very important to make a distinction between setting up rules and boundaries and relying on the willpower. Um, so research actually shows that people who have strong willpower uh, do not use it to resist temptations, but they organize their lives uh, the way that they don't have these temptations in the first place. Uh, so a very simple example, if you're trying to follow a diet, um, the easiest way to follow a diet is not to buy any candies. Because when you have them at home, you will eat them, right? It doesn't matter like how strong your willpower is. If you have a, I think I was mentioning this at my talk, if you have a box of chocolate next to your bed, sooner or later you end up eating them. If you have your smartphone or your computer visible 24-7 uh, with you or full of notifications, you know, it's like this cookie that's vibrating or a chocolate and saying, eat me. So um, I have very basic rules. Uh, the rules are uh, there is uh, 
laptop. I use a laptop to work. Uh, the laptop is always on the working table. I never work from anywhere else. So this is a space to work and that's it. Um, uh, there is never any technology in the bedroom. Um, I just don't bring it there. And I don't need discipline any, anymore with that because this is a rule. So I, I already got used to this. Um, it's very difficult to use the willpower if you don't have clear rules. Um, and I, I can say this on myself. Uh, with other things, I'm a bit more flexible. So, you know, like I might use the phone in different locations. Um, I also try not to use the phone first thing in the morning. Um, and the way to do that is I hide it mm -hmm. from the night before in the other room, uh, which means that when I wake up, it's not the first thing that I see. Because if it is the first thing that I see, um, <laughs> it's inevitable that I will end up checking it. If not in the first five minutes, then in the first 10 minutes. Um, whereas if I have the first hour for myself, then I have time, you know, to properly stretch, to cook the breakfast, you know, to play with the cat, whatever it is uh, I want to do, or just literally to sit down and think what I need to get done for the day. Uh, and the same thing for the computer. So I know that I'm not going to open it first thing. I may open it just to set up the program. Um, like I have certain automatic problems, automatic uh, marketing programs um, that run on it. But I consciously will not open uh, the mailbox because I know that the moment the mailbox is open, this is it, right? Like three hours later, you remember that you needed to eat and uh, this is not happening. Uh, is it perfect? Is it working perfectly? No. <laughs> Uh, but I think as long as you have some of these of this basic rules and you use kind of 80-20 rule that, you know, most of the times you're okay with that. And, you know, like with the diet, maybe you have some of the days when you really procrastinate. Uh, and I think the second thing that helps me a lot is when I can... Uh, I check with my body a lot. So, for example, when I feel, I know that when I'm, when I'm multitask online, I start feeling anxious and I start being short of breath. I've done a lot of body work myself. Like, I'm, I'm a dancer, I've done yoga, really, really lots of things. Uh, um, and because of that, for me, it's the first indicator that I'm doing something wrong. Mm. So, when I feel that, then I know that it's time to stand up, stretch, leave everything breathe out literally, maybe do something physical five minutes back, go back five minutes later, go back to what I was doing uh, and uh, say, okay, now this is one thing I'm going to focus on. Um, so this is actually the habit I'm working on right now to unteach myself uh, to unlearn how to multitask uh, because we, we all do that and multitasking does come with a cost, right? We are... Um, this uh, is shown to increase anxiety because it's not really multitasking, it's task switching. It uh, consumes more brain energy, we retain less information and we're more likely to make mistakes and so on. So that's kind of my next uh, battlefield. Mm. So what's like the, what what's going on in the world? What's going on in the smartphone? What's going on by the manufacturers? What's happening for this pull away of consciously digital what what is it that you're trying to steer us away from what is it that that is it is it a type of feeling that you get when you're on all, all the technology is it judgment you know jealousy like I, I just think about 
when I go on Instagram and sometimes I go on it before bed and um, I look at the, the um, Instagram stories, whatever, and I might go through the Instagram stories, but if you just think about it in a physical, physical sort of setting, an example, that's like me literally walking around the block before I go to bed and seeing all of these different people in all of these different settings. Some might make me jealous. Some might make me judgmental. Some might make me think, um, what am I doing in my life? All these sort of things. Some, some might be an annoying person that I'm just getting annoyed of about, you know, like all these things. It's like, before you go to bed, it's like walking around the block and seeing all these people in real life. That's why I like to think of Instagram stories. Um, and, and that's something that I can sort of think of an example that, that sort of comes up for me and, and what I imagine unconsciously other people might have an example of. What is it that for you that's the pull um, from the other side and why are you trying to pull away from it? I think my thing was I, I wasn't feeling that I'm operating to 100% of my potential, maybe not even to 50%. <laughs> I, I was reactive, you know, I was I was paid eventually to do strategic creative work, but, uh, you know, the way I was working could you know, be done by an 18-year-old who didn't study anything because um, I was just replying to emails and CCing. And I think ultimately, like, having run now Consciously Digital for over five years now, um, I think the work we're doing, it's not just about smartphones. I think it's about understanding uh, what is it precious about being a human. And how do we retain it in the digital world? Because um, there is lots of conversation that, you know, like, you know, you know that lots of jobs will be automated in the next 10, 15 years, right? And it's uh, it's happening already, but if you look at the stats uh, in the US, it's 50% of the jobs, so one half of 47%. Uh, and in the UK, it's about one third which is still quite a bit. And many of these jobs will be also from white collars, right? Not just blue collar jobs. Um, what people say is that in order to um, stay relevant, humans will need to be cooperating with each other more and be more empathetic and uh, be more creative. Creative not as, you know, storytelling or uh, painting, but uh, creative in their approach to problem solving. Uh, but when we're constantly distracted, right, when we're not able to focus on when we are not having uh, deep conversations uh, because we get distracted by technology, uh, we don't really develop these qualities. And we're actually becoming, you know, like we're behaving like worse copies of the machines, and I think that's the danger. So it's not just about uh, dependency on the smartphones. It's more like the way technology is designed and the way we use it uh, actually uh, makes us inferior. We behave like worse copies of machines. Uh, machines can multitask, humans don't do it well. Uh, machines can switch between different tasks. They can be productive 24 seven. Uh, humans cannot. Mm. Um, and all those things, so for me, it's ultimately about, you know, how can I be my better self? And my better self often means I'm limiting how much uh, I use technology. And the coaching work that we do is, you know, helping people be aware about, you know, how their animal brain or mammal brain or lizard brain gets triggered by, uh, you know, notifications or the constant hunt for distractions. 
And how this is interfering with our human brain, with the prefrontal cortex, it's where we have our goals, our inspirations, uh, who we want to be, um, whether you believe into God or not, you know, like, uh, it doesn't matter, like, what really makes us human. Um, and uh, Tristan Harris uh, from Human Tech, he talks about downgrading the humans. And I think it's very important to understand that it's, you know, it's not that technology is just downgrading the humans, it's we ourselves are downgrading ourselves uh, by uh, not using technology pro appropriately or by overusing it. And uh, ultimately, the work we're trying to do is making sure that humans still remain relevant. So it was a very lengthy response to your question. Oh, that's good. No, it's, it's one of the things which I remember from the talk as well, and I think you're very honest about the fact that you sometimes lose the battle as well. I think some people might think, oh, Anastasia's set up constantly digital. I'm sure she's, you know, has these rules and never breaks them. But you honestly sense that these things are incredibly smart. They're designed by incredibly smart algorithms and people where they're designed to win eventually. But it's, it's you limit how often that happens and you set these rules to make sure, you know, you do maintain your humanity most of the time um, and the other thing you mentioned you actually mentioned the word habits which I guess is it was the key thing for me when I set the rules the first few weeks were kind of tricky like I don't allow the phone in my bedroom either um, I don't start on the phone or I don't start with emails but now it just is habit because I set the rules and initially you know you do feel the pull but now it just becomes habit. So after time, if people are listening and thinking, oh, look, that sounds great, but it won't work for me, but it, it will eventually. And I'm sure, um, you know, you'll know better than me, but that's kind of what Constantly Digital is set up to give people the tools to do, right? So what would be your top tips for someone listening now? We probably, I'm sure everyone can recognize they have an unhealthy relationship with their tech. If someone thinks, oh, look, I'm just always on it. I have it in bed at night, it's the last thing I do. Um, you've mentioned don't have it in the bedroom, but if you've got like, if I put you on the spot and ask for three top tips, what do you reckon are like good starting points? Um, it's funny because everyone always asks for behavioral tips and uh, nobody follows them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's like, what's your top tip for healthy lifestyle? Go to the gym, right? Everyone knows this, right? Like everyone knows you should not be, you know, like eating, looking at your phone and so. Um, this is why my top tip would be to think, what is it costing you? really like seriously spend five ten minutes writing down like what is this behavior costing you um have you been procrastinating on reading a book or um i don't know building your business or how have you been spreading yourself thinly hmm? just by putting you know likes as opposed to writing something i'm, I'm just taking my example um have you been, you know, having engaging really deep conversations and relationships with people or have you been there with them but actually checking the device? We've been 50% here and 50% not here. Um, you know, what's, what will you be remembering when you're 80 or 90? Um, I don't think, I have never met a person who would say like I've had an amazing online experience. Uh, <laughs> on their deathbed yet, saying like yeah. that whatsapp Maybe. chat I had yeah. with, uh, that whatsapp group banter was we have got thing. some good whatsapp groups though we have got some good whatsapp groups 
it's it's kind of it's a tool, right? It's a tool yeah, to yeah. have, you know, amazing human experiences. Um, maybe it will be different once, you know, like once there is uh, VR out there that's fully penetrated. But so far, it's not the case. So this will be like this consciousness of appealing it really like to your uh, higher, uh, you know, the human part of the brain, let's say, prefrontal cortex will be number one. In terms of the simple fixes, I would say uh, set up rules. So we operate the four pillar framework, uh, time management, which is actually better attention management, not time management, because when you're directing your attention and deciding uh, what you're paying attention to when, yeah, so which can be disabling identifications, uh, deciding when you're going to be available when not, um, things like that, yeah, it's individual. Uh, space management, which is uh, separating yourself uh, from your devices, uh, whether it's in the bedroom, whether it's, you know, like when you need to read a book, again, see what works for you. Uh, relationship management, which is uh, managing people's expectations as to how and when they can contact you. You know, um, when you're in the work environment, very often uh, you get uh, five reminders hmm, from people. Uh, it's like, oh, have you seen my email? Like on WhatsApp, or like about setting up a Zoom call. Yeah. <laughs> to discuss. They, they only sent yeah. it 10 minutes ago and it's like they're chasing it within an hour and Mm, exactly, yeah. exactly. There is this expectation that you should be responded immediately um, on all channels, which basically means that you have to be monitoring or you think you have to be monitoring all the channels, which is not the case. Uh, and finally, self-management is about knowing your triggers and knowing your vulnerabilities. So I know that I'm more productive in the morning and I need to get things done in the morning. And if I start getting into, you know, like social media routines and things like that, uh, in the morning, then I've lost my productive hours. And it's, it's, it's so, so, you know, all the admin stuff gets either delegated or done in the afternoon. Um, and being really honest, you know, with you, like when do you start procrastinating? Um, so when you're tired, for example, um, you're much more likely to uh, lose track of the time that you spent online just because when we're tired, our prefrontal cortex essentially gets disabled. Uh, this is where our self-control mechanisms and uh, self-awareness leave. Uh, then, you know, the rule might be, you know, don't go to uh, watch Netflix or, you know, to check your emails or social media when you're tired because it will never be 15 minutes. So it's, you know, it's really about recognizing that you're human and you have these vulnerabilities and that have to do with how you evolved and why you evolved. And uh, really being honest with it, uh, about it with yourself and setting up the rules for yourself that take this into account. Um, I think we need to get rid of this idea that, you know, humans can be productive as computers 24-7. No, we cannot. Uh, I think we need to get rid of this idea that we need to be always on. Um, the fact that we have food in the fridge doesn't mean that we need to be eating all the time. Um, so the fact that, you know, we can be connected and people can reach out to us doesn't mean that uh, we have to be. Because if you think about, um, you know, when you're walking in the street, you're thinking about something, imagine somebody coming over to you and saying, oh, can you give me please like 
a minute of your attention. Well, maybe you talk to this person, then there is another one coming, another. And you will feel very overwhelmed, right, very soon, and like, oh, my God, these people are crossing my boundaries. Uh, but for our brain, it's the same when we have this online experience, but somehow we think it's okay to do it online, but not okay to do it in the offline world. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting you think about all your online experiences. How would they look like offline? Uh, you may... Yeah, that's that is similar to the um, walking around the block and seeing all these different people from past, from future, um, and everyday scenarios that you just probably don't even need to see or know about or understand. Um, I turned my notifications off on WhatsApp, and that was that's been a big thing. That's been a really big thing, to be honest. Um, I just think generally, like on WhatsApp, a lot of it is stuff that's not urgent, and it's it's. Is it, a lot of it's WhatsApp chats that bring me a lot of laughter and and um, and fun, but if you are doing something the day and you need to be getting something done, especially if you're self-employed or you you know you, you sort of it, it, your work is is your primary objective, then you don't need the WhatsApp. You basically are plugged into all your social circles at the same time. And they could be going all day. They could be going all night or anything. And it's like you just don't you don't need that sense of urgency. So I've just got obviously text message if if it is something urgent. Chris, have, have you, what what sort of things have you put in place? Um, I know you you're sort of so interesting. You say what WhatsApp was the reason I got a smartphone. I was actually quite late to them, mm. and uh, like my friends from home were all living different places now. And whenever I'd reunite, they'd all have this these shared experiences for like months of WhatsApp chat and conversations that I always felt like I missed out missed on. Missed out so, on, yeah. But I think WhatsApp now actually, I think you can get it for your desktop. I'm not sure if that's, yeah. if I'm mistaken or... You, you need to synchronize oh, it, so uh, unless like they made changes okay. in the last couple of weeks. Um, you would need to synchronize it. So basically you need to have a QR code and have your phone still nearby, nearby okay, yeah. uh, which... I find frustrating. I think like a very easy tip, honestly, for everyone, uh, if you're working, you need to stay focused, uh, hide your phone in the other room. There is, um, I think, I, I think I mentioned this research when people had, uh, were taking different kind of IQ tests and had their phones in different locations. And those who had them in the other room as opposed to in the pocket or in the, um, in the bag or on the desk face down were still scoring higher. Uh, on these IQ tests, even though uh, the phones were not ringing because just the mere presence of the smartphone is so attractive. Yeah, your brain wants uh, just to check what if, what if. Uh, and this is depleting part of the brain resources. Um, so it's actually much easier to stay focused when you have one tab and just one device in front of you. Even if you do it like for short periods of time, 20, 25 minutes, right? Um, it's better if you can stay focused longer, but you know the famous Pomodoro technique when you focus on something for 25 minutes and take a five-minute break, but you're really focused. Really focusing means like um, if you have anything, any new ideas when you're working on one thing, you just have a notebook uh, and you take a note saying, oh, this needs to be done or this needs to be done. But again, um, they, there might be lots of these productivity tips, uh, but I guarantee you that you will only start implementing this once you realize, okay, what's the cost? Uh, because otherwise, you know, everyone needs, we need to have a healthy lifestyle. Mm. And it's important to say, I mean, you're not anti-technology at all. Like, I think no. people could, like, no. misinterpret that. It's not like you're not saying, you know, there's some people who go too far and that they say, like, we all need to live in the mountains with no tech and, 
you're oh, about that'll be lovely but yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be nice I it's not it's realistic impossible. I think the message I got is that it's, it's that Tristan Harris quote as well I think from uh, the documentaries you know are you using your phone or is it using you it's about they are really useful tools but for too many of us like you said that our brains are looking for that dopamine fix and mm. it's automatic and subconscious and we're just reaching for it always and it's about challenging that relationship and still you using these tools as um you know as what they're useful for like email is a useful tool but it's not if you open it first thing and it sidetracks the rest of the stuff you're going to do and it takes your attention away from things um so yes and um we're talking a little bit here about uh you know how do i um as an alcoholic how do i have one occasional glass uh, per week as opposed to drinking the full bottle uh, every time um, i think digital detox and really minimizing uh, how much you use technology is a great first step uh, that really allows you to step back and reassess. Um, so one of the things I'll be doing, I'm going on holidays this Friday, I will be fully unplugging. Um, so I'm going to the place where there is no internet. Uh, I will have my phone with me, but I will not buy any internet SIM card. And this is a conscious choice and I can afford it because I have a personal assistant who will be taking care of everything. Uh, as a small business owner, you know, it's not very easy. And I'm going to do this and I'm setting this up this way because I was intending to do this thing three years, three consecutive years, and I always ended up doing something work-related. And uh, I didn't have the full holiday experience and I was not productive when I was coming back, so I just know I need this. Um, and this is an excellent time to refresh your mind, yes, like this unplugging. So, uh, and I've run just a very small non-scientific poll uh, on uh, LinkedIn, just asking people, so are you going on holidays? What are you going to be doing? Will you be checking work-related correspondence? Will you be checking uh, your WhatsApp? And so, uh, and I think only about seven to nine percent, uh, so like less than 10 percent said that they will be full unplugging. Uh, and this is what tends to happen these days, uh, you know, when I say that technology removes all the boundaries. Uh, people still try to stay on top of everything. So I think there is definitely a place for this digital detox uh, movement and for the days. Um, you know, it can be once a week, like, you know, we're talking about digital Shabbat. Uh, or, you know, Bill Gates, for example, when he was running Microsoft, he used to do unplugging like weeks, a couple of times a year, where he would spend time on the lake, uh, just walking, writing and reading the books and thinking about what's going to happen in the world and he actually credits these weeks with um, helping him make biggest breakthroughs in where the company was heading and in creating the vision because we cannot be you know having the busy brains and thinking about big things uh, so there is a place for that yes uh, but then when you go back to the real life uh, and you know to daily yes it's just about setting up the rules and trying to minimize the negative impact and being aware of the fact that probably you wouldn't be you know 100% perfect and it's okay uh, it's uh, just one one step at a time you know nobody I, I personally don't know anyone who's uh, fully sorted unless they're like monks who meditate uh, you know six eight hours a day and then they can 
just observe their desire to uh, check the smartphone. But it's not just about the smartphone, though, right? Like smartphones will be an obsolete thing five, ten years from now. Um, it's more about how integrated we are with the technology and how much we are, you know, outsourcing to it and you know how much independence are we retaining. So, what's what's your approach then for using social media for work? I don't have, uh, luckily, like social media has not never been an issue for me. I um, so on Facebook. I use Facebook, but I use is a very big uh, word. Uh, on Facebook, I have something called Newsfeed Eradicator, which basically blocks all my newsfeed. So I would just open it and use it uh, as a messenger if I need to write to any of my friends. Um, so it's not appealing at all. <laughs> it's just uh, I, I may check it like once every two days or so. Um, I use LinkedIn a lot for work, um, but I try to do it. So I try to post content that's interesting uh, for people to... Um, you know, share some of the research so to make it, you know, like actually subject for conversation. I would check it once in a while. And I have some uh, marketing automation that I said there, uh, there up, which basically just needs to be controlled once a week. Um, Twitter, again, like I may just occasionally uh, post something, but I never read it. Um, there is a big discussion on whether, you know, like you need to be on social media um, for exposure. I've seen cases when people have absolutely no social media presence and they're still very successful. Um, I think Carl Newport is a very good example. Uh, you know, the MIT scientist and the author of Deep Work. Um, and I forgot what's the name of his last book. It's it's about, you know, managing your online distractions. And it's his conscious position not to have social media. Having said that, he has a publisher and probably hired people who are promoting this uh, for him. But I do think that in terms of the, you know, conversions and, uh, you know, the business impact, social media is overestimated. Um, there are ways, but, you know, it's... it's whole different job um, people who run their small businesses usually they're just creating more noise on social media rather than uh, making any difference and most of those things can just be very well emitted and I'm saying this as a former digital marketeer <laughs> so I, was, I, was, I, was, I was paid money basically to create the marketing mix that works um, social media can be a powerful channel but um, I disagree that uh, everyone needs to have a constant presence there yeah and you were just you were talking earlier about understanding what the cost is when you're using your smartphone when you're using social media and when you're fully plugged into that and I'm just thinking back to the social dilemma and one of the quotes that stuck out to me was I think it was Tristan Harris talking about how can you understand or know that you're in the matrix if you've never been outside of it and I'm just thinking about the 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 youngsters growing up mm. nowadays they've got a short spell you know, in the early years without social media, without um, smartphones, and then they've sort of, you know, broke the barriers and started using it, but they've got no experience without without smartphones, without social media, and it's quite hard. It's like, 
it's going to be hard to find the contrast for these people to understand yeah. what the cost actually is and what it's like without it, if that makes sense. Can you see your work adapting and, and, and having to be more teaching about how to, how to be human? That's, that's a very good question. Um, I actually see both. I see young people just, you know, playing with it and then getting rid of it completely at the age of 14 and 15 and just say, no, I don't want to. I think there is a very big issue of the peer pressure uh, there. And uh, it's not just social media, but social media, you know, coupled with uh, online gaming, because lots of online gaming today incorporates the social element. Um, plus, it's... Yeah, it's like this constant being always on, right? Like you're with your friends, but you're also talking to the friends uh, online. Um, this is how they are. Um, what I usually say to parents when we work with parents is uh, try not to prohibit this, like once, especially once they already have this, mm, the device, uh, for talking about teenagers, of course. Um, first advice is try to delay as much as possible uh, because the brain is still forming. Yeah, um, so, you know, like, at least, you know, the executive functions uh, until they have form, until there is some degree of self-control, ju just not. Uh, then, okay, like when it becomes an in in inevitable, then... Do you have an age that you kind of usually think is like a, a good point to try and hold uh, out till? It, it, it is, yes, it depends because for example, the visual cortex, so like when, um, it depends on which function of the brain is forming when. Uh, so the visual cortex, for example, forms between six to 12 months. So the child's ability to stay focused on something. Uh, if you give them uh, the iPad or whatever it is uh, before that age, uh, then this is going to impact the development. Um, before uh, two years, more or less, there is a very important process in the brain uh, happening called myelination. So if you think about it, um, our brain, uh, it has uh, neurons, and these neurons have a coating uh, called myelin. It's like something like a wire that has a coating. And the thicker the coating is, the better the signal passes, the electric signal. Uh, now, what tends to happen is when children have, are exposed to devices early on, uh, then their myelination process is not finalized. So basically this coating is not formed fully and they may have delays in um, developing, uh, for example, speech uh, or developing uh, higher functions of the brain. It's not that technology is bad per se, but what tends to happen is that in this age, like one, two, three years, uh, children need uh, to learn by experience. Yeah, they need to touch things, to talk, to repeat uh, words. So the way, for example, they learn to speak is by repeating the same word. This is very annoying if you're a parent, but uh, what actually they are doing every time they repeat, they create this myelin, this coating. Uh, but when they are distracted by technology, then technology is replacing this natural process. Yeah, so it's replacing the recognition, uh, the interaction with the grown-ups. It's replacing uh, all these things that the child normally does to uh, learn to develop. And as a result, this uh, development never finalizes. And if the stage is missed, then basically that's it. Yeah, that. Uh, so 
going back to my original device, A, delay it uh, as much as you can. Um, I usually say, please, no devices until the age of seven, eight, so until they clearly. Uh, the main functions of the brain have formed, uh, then a very much controlled uh, time uh, of what they're doing. Um, probably like by the age 12, 13, they would get their first device. Um, I advise to have a, a contract with them saying, you know, like what's appropriate to share, what are the rules. And one of the rules is there is never, ever any device in the bedroom, never any device after 10 p.m. Uh, and it just, if this is broken, the device gets taken away. Uh, and really being honest and having honest conversations, hmm? helping them, you know, go and navigate through this uh, world. Uh, you cannot really prohibit them uh, from doing this. I think it's good that those rules are actually the same rules that you advise adults. So, so I bet sometimes kids must feel unfair if they've got to hand their phone in at 9pm and mum and dad are on till like midnight scrolling. But if people do it as a family, it probably makes it a lot easier for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, like uh, when uh, our coaches work with families, they develop together a family digital uh, control plan so that all the family uh, sticks to the same rules. And I think it's fair and it's much easier to do uh, because when, you know, dad is on the emails at 11 p.m. Uh, and actually children, uh, you know, the most frequent complaint of children is that uh, their parents are on their devices. Actually, I did a, a meditation course and uh, one of the things which struck me is there were most of the people on it were actually parents and they all had the same experiences as saying they feel like they weren't present while their kids grew up. And, uh, you know, whenever their kids came home with like a picture or painting from school, they'd be worrying about dinner or they'd never find time and they felt like eight, ten years passed before they knew it and they said, I was never really present for any of it. So that was one of the driving forces for them to... And it must be the same if your kid's trying to talk to you and you're scrolling through, you, you're not there, you're not present. Even if it is annoying because they're repeating the same word over and over, it's still, uh, it's still important to be present during it. It's, you know, it's this trade-off between easy and difficult, right? Being a parent is difficult. It's much easier just to give the iPad to the child, but what's the price? Uh, reading, uh, you know, browsing a social media news feed is easier uh, than reading a book. Reading a book is huge effort. Yeah, like I've been trying like, to read super interesting book uh, this week, and you know, like as much as I'm trained, like I always feel the need, you know, like to oh, like what's in my phone? I always remember things because the brain has to work. But you know, it's everything good comes with well, most things. Good things in in life come uh, with lots of effort. Yeah, I think we're now living for this temptation of easiness. Um, and it's very appealing, uh, but you know, what's the price? When I started Mentality five years ago, I was committed to creating a hub that would offer the knowledge and experiences to allow all of us to go beyond the stigma that cripples many men into a life lacking fulfillment. It would be a lie to say that I knew the impact mentality would be having on people's lives, but we are. And it blows me away when someone gets in touch to share with us how we've helped them. So today's podcast sponsor is Mentality Counseling. And I want to share with you a testimony from a guy who went from listening to this exact pod to making the important step to start 
counselling. Just wait until you hear what he has to say about his experience. If you are someone who this resonates with and you are ready to get the help that you deserve, head to our website right now and get in touch with John. I found it almost impossible to share my feelings and emotions with others. This was evident in our first few sessions. John was patient with me, providing support and guidance, but also gave me the necessary push when I needed it. Our sessions have changed my life. I now use my feelings and emotions to my advantage rather than letting them control my life. John has given me the tools to continue to improve outside of our session and I am so much happier now. And what was your reaction to the social dilemma, Anastasia? like I very much am enjoying that uh, they have raised this question I think that it's fantastic that it's got now I think 7M recognitions I think that the way they presented it I would have done it differently um, A it's very uh, pro-American uh, B they have given the word to people who already screwed things up <laughs> and ask them for the solutions. Uh, and uh, I don't think it's deeply unfair. Uh, I would love to see, you know, what's happening in India, in Japan, in Latin America, because uh, all they, you know, like, uh, they're looking for very different solutions. None of this has been there. I know also they, you know, they didn't include, you know, like uh, many scientists who actually uh, look at these things. Uh, so I would say it's kind of a good first step to raise awareness, but uh, I would like to see more international uh, perspective uh, and answers, not just from people who screwed it up and who are saying, oh, it's a government that should regulate it, yeah. which is, by the way, what I disagree with. Um, I think governments have a role in this, but uh, there are many more things that can and should be done. Uh, probably government more would have a say in, you know, like AI standards, uh, AI regulation, you know, what needs to happen with the data. But there are, you know, other things and especially, you know, like, I don't think that more tech is more solu is, is enough solution. And considering that people who have been, you know, in social dilemma, they're now creating their, you know, meditation apps or whatever it is. Um, it's almost... I mean, I don't want to criticize it because I think it's, uh, you know, it's everyone's problem, but it's it's a bit hypocritical. Um, it didn't, it didn't my, have many... My, opi my opinion, not necessarily shared by the rest of Consciousness Digital. Yeah, it, it didn't have many answers, did it? I mean, it had a lot of problems and uh, it, I think it scared, well, it scared me, um, the, the content of it. And especially... As of recently, there's, I feel like I've been clicking onto my social media and every different app's been talking about new rules for cookies and new standards and what you need to allow. And I'm like clicking it. I have no idea what I'm, I'm yeah. allowing on those. And it's like, I've got no time to even, I'm almost thinking I'm in the black hole of it all. Anyway, they've got everything that they probably need from me. And it's like, uh, I don't know. It, I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing because it's it's not just a, a full-out resistance, but it's a bit more tactical, it's a bit more uh, nuanced. Um, and I think a lot, I think a lot more people need that conscious 
consciously digital mindset really um because i think we live in a world that's absolute you know that's scared everyone to death uh, well it scared me to death anyway the um social dilemma but i think you i agree you come a bit further back from just scaring and you're sort of asking people to understand what their own prices that they're paying and then maybe the adaptions, adaptations that you can make going forward, if that makes sense. I think we need to, to move away from this um, belief that technology progress is uh, should be the expertise of only tech experts. Too many expert words, um, and because actually this is now concerns every single one of us, right? And uh, I think we need to very, very clearly redefine what is digital skills. Yeah, we talk about digital skills in schools, digital skills in companies. Digital skills is not tapping on the iPad. Uh, digital skills is knowing, you know, like how your information is processed, knowing which questions to ask, knowing what are your rights. Uh, GDPR is a very powerful legal framework. Um, you know, uh, do people use it? No, not really. Um, it's, uh, and you know, there will be more, right? Like once your work, well, I'll give an example. Uh, once your workplace is automated and let's, style, let's say your company installs um, a program that watches what you're doing and uh, not just reads your emails, but based on, you know, the speed of your typing determines, you know, your mood or how like you are to feel depressed. There is this technology that's been used already. Hmm? What are your rights? Can you, can you say, no, I don't want this? Can you say, okay, you know, I want to be the first one who has access to this. I want to know the assumptions. Um, how will this information be used? And, and and these are the digital skills, right? Because we are rebuilding the society, and the society and this is happening, you know, without involving the society. Yeah, we're making digitize the society. All the processes, or most of the processes, are now run by the AI. Most decisions are now taken by the AI, right? Like you know. Uh, some people get even fired by an algorithm because it says, oh, like, you're not coping well. Uh, I think there was a scandal, uh, I forgot what this was, Amazon, or like track driver or something a few months ago, who got after 20 years of work an email by, by the computer who said you're fired. What is his rights, right? And it's, uh, and it's legal, but it's not just legal. Uh, what, because uh, the states are very, very late with that and i think this is what you know like what we need to be having conversations about not just you know how do i disable notifications you can disable notifications but you know like if you're if all you're living is determined by uh you know the computers and the technology that's watching you taking the decisions on your behalf based on the data they collect uh, and they already have this data you know who what what, what are your choices what are your rights um that's that, that. That's. I think that's a very important next battle. And and where can we get the answers to those questions? You know, when we ask what are digital rights, the, but the, but like to 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 put those out into the ether. Like, is that something that that you would take someone through if they're asking? Like, all this activity is going on. Like, I'm I'm just going through a social media um, routine that I go through. People are scared of, of or they, they're sort of fearful or questioning, like you say, what is happening? You know, where, where, where are the rights? Can, 
is, is the control sort of that you can bring back? Um, because it's like that you know the stuff the stuff with the AI and the the algorithms and, and stuff like that. It, it almost seems to me as if it's like a in or an out. I don't know. And then you know you're obviously doing the work to to bring it more to people, to bring their options, to bring their yeah. conscious you know conscious decisions to it. Um, you can't reverse it, no. Uh, but you can have a say in, you know, like how many rights you have. And, uh, you know, if you think about, again, like the nutrition industry, for instance, the food industry, uh, like 40, 50 years ago, they used to put sugar everywhere. Hmm? Uh, just because, uh, you know, that's was sold and it was not regulated. Uh, now there is a regulation that obliges you Mm, as a producer to write how much sugar there is and to write all the ingredients. And now people have a choice. And you can make a choice of like, do I want a healthy eating? Do I want, you know, to, to buy something with sugar and so on? So I think this transparency is the first bit and this is where the state can uh, help. And this is where uh, the social pressure uh, definitely needs to be created much more because it's still not on the politician's agenda, right? People are still not voting on, uh, for politicians based on, you know, what are their promises in regards to data, AI, and all that, although this is already defining people's uh, people's choices, right? And and people, and I think more conversations need to happen explaining them, hey, you know, by the way, this is what's happening, this is why your life is like this right now. It's starting to change a bit with the COVID, yeah, I think people are starting to talk about like the apps and, you know, like how much information is really uh, being shared and was it necessary, you know, like in Singapore, for example, they first uh, said that uh, the data about uh, people, like uh, they asked everyone to install the tracking app. They said it will only be shared if you're sick uh, or somebody who you met was sick. Then they found out that actually this data was shared with the police. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, it gets very quickly out of control. Um, who, you know, and, 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 can be, and, and this is what happened uh, a lot over the last year and a half. Um, I'm not a big fan of conspiracy theories, but I think this uh, chaos has been used a lot by many governments and many companies just to push through their agenda. Uh, and this is the time to push back. Really, because if not, then you know, like uh, under, yeah, like obviously, always under the safety pretests, uh, we would be, you know, forced to share more and to be fully visible. There is nothing wrong, you know, and it's not about like the right to be hiding or not hiding something. It's not that. It's there has been a certain social contract with the state, yeah, and it's changing. Uh, but we're not having any say in this, even although we still have the power to do that. Uh, in five years, we won't have this power, uh, right? Like we have the say because of how we pay our taxes, for example. Uh, it won't be the case anymore because uh, people are, will not be creating as much value as the machines will for the first time. And that's happening. That's, that, that, that is, that's literally happening. And this is, and, and you mentioned the word conspiracy theory and, and I'm, I'm, I'm on the same page as you completely. I just worry, um, that we are sleepwalking or we're being swept up into a, um, as you say, the, 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 the fact that half of the jobs in the US are going to be automated, 
that is on the wave of AI technology, social media. Um, and we are going a certain direction. We are going a certain direction. Most 99% of conspiracy theories probably aren't right, probably aren't correct, probably aren't true. But then also on the other side of it, there still needs to be a, resist <laughs> a resistance or a, a um, individual thought um, where these conspiracy theories probably 100% of the time or just less than 100% of the time aren't useful. But maybe that 1% is in the same vein is standing up for not being swept up into a direction that we don't want to go. And I guess, like you say, it's the transparency um, of knowing where we are going, what's happening. You know, you just you just outlined the fact that 50% of the human jobs are going to be obsolete. You know, what else is around that? What else is, is blurred around the edges of that, that that we that don't know a, about? Just to jump in, is that... I'm going to play devil's advocate a bit, but I actually still... I think that's a good thing, right? Like if, I've always thought I want to move to world, towards a world where people don't have to do menial jobs they don't enjoy. I think if tech can help us move towards that world, that's a positive. But what makes you think that this will be the case? Well, no, yeah, <laughs> because true. That's, if that is that's, the case. That's a problem. Um, so there, is a, there is, was a big US study that was done. Uh, they observed like how people's incomes were uh, changing since the 80s when uh, companies started uh, implementing a lot of uh, technologies to tr tr transformation. And basically what they saw is like while there was uh, more, uh, like the technology was creating more productivity and more value, this value was distributed among fewer people. And the jobs that were created, because technology indeed does create the jobs, right? The new jobs like we used to have, whatever, like cashiers and the banks, now we have the bankomats. Uh, but what tends to happen that these new jobs that are being created by technology are actually not equally paid. Uh, so people are getting less money. Uh, these jobs tend to be uh, easily replaceable. Uh, you know, this whole gig economy, if you think about Glovo or Uber, uh, you know, there have been court hearings that, you know, uh, to make, uh, to recognize Uber's drivers' employees. Uh, so Uber lost it, Glovo won it. Uh, it's people who are working for uh, salaries that are lower than living minimum, who are working 12, 14 hours a day. So basically, we have lost all the, you know, like fights uh, that trade unions and the politicians uh, have been fighting for uh, throughout the 20th century. Uh, so unfortunately, Unfortunately, uh, it's not that, you know, technology will do unpleasant jobs and uh, we will, you know, be uh, doing pleasant jobs. No, uh, what will happen is, and what is happening already, there will be lots of gigs. Uh, fewer companies will be employing people and giving them the security. Uh, people will probably be getting like uh, basic, you know, everyone is talking about this basic income, which will be very little. Yeah. Uh, People will, uh, you will struggle a lot with building a proper career, yeah, within something because nobody wants to hire you. Uh, it means that uh, you will also probably struggle to uh, have proper education and to be learning from job to job. And basically, people will be used in the positions where it's cheaper still to hire a human, which unfortunately <laughs> tends to be not so prestigious positions because, uh, you know, AI already can analyze, do much better the worker of a lawyer, for instance. 
Um, so unfortunately, it's not the case. So, yeah, some of the you know jobs will be uh, new, but in most cases, uh, the value of the human labor uh, with automation gets downgraded. And uh, funny enough, uh, this is where we go back to like four centuries ago, right, like when uh, we have Luddites uh, who allegedly were breaking the machines. Uh, actually, uh, if you uh, don't know the history, what Luddites really were protesting against was downgrading of uh, the human labor. So, uh, because they were very highly qualified people who were, could do, you know, all the process of producing something by themselves, hand labor, well paid, uh, taking lots of years to uh, build. Uh, when the machines were introduced here, yeah, they were saying, no, look, we don't need you anymore. You're disposable now because the machines can be doing no several operations. And for the whole generation, it was a tragedy, right? So it's not that, you know, they were <laughs> mad people who were breaking the machines just because they were saying, you know, like, don't downgrade our human effort. And and this is what's happening right now, yeah, uh, but to a larger scale and all around the world. And this is especially dangerous because uh, we have now the top five or six, if you count Netflix in it, uh, tech companies that are controlling more than 40% of uh, the overall wealth hmm, of, of the markets, which is huge. Yeah, like we're talking about the budgets that are bigger than budgets of Belgium, for example. And all of them together will be bigger than, you know, some of the biggest countries. Uh, so we're talking about immense power there. And uh, companies that are driven by profit. What, what, so if, if that's what is happening, and that's quite bleak, I guess, like what do you think should happen or what do you hope the, the backlash to that will be? Well, there is always this pendulum thing, right? Like there is, <laughs> once there is too much technology, then there is a resistance, right? Like now everyone is doing yoga, mindfulness. I, like, I think all of my friends and whoever I know has done some mindfulness course. There is this, you know, natural, you know, trend towards, can we find the balance? Um, I think what needs to happen, there needs to be more transparency and education. Um, and probably this education will happen through nonprofits, from person to person, from citizenship activism as opposed to governments. Uh, because governments have very different agendas, they have different things to work with, they're pushing uh, the digitization of the economies because they do believe that uh, this is something that's going to bring the economic growth. Yeah, so it's it's difficult like to sell this idea of uh, having the balance. Uh, they are kind of partially now working on at least you know like getting uh, the big tech companies pay fair tax, which is already good progress compared to what we used to have. But you know I wouldn't expect too much from them. Uh, so I think what will happen is uh, many more areas will be digitized, and eventually um, you know there will be. Um, I mean, all we are doing right now is already creating the data, right, about ourselves. This will data will be consolidated, and then the question is, you know, who will have the right to it, and what you would be able to do with this data? Uh, would uh, this data be 
uh, your property? Would you be able to take it and say, no, you know what, I'm going to give it to this company, but not to this company? Or would just any company be randomly willing to make a decision about you? Um, I think, you know, once you are, you know, you know your rights, then the funny thing is the many legal frameworks are already there. Uh, and uh, the UK is actually one of the leading countries in that. I know that, for example, now the UK is working on the standards for data scientists. Um, thinking of making it a chartered institution, uh, which is uh, fantastic news, right? Because it's it should be in some way regulated by the industry or by the government or so, you know, what's what are the standards? Um, so I think it's a collective effort. Um, my, my concern is, of course, is that it's, uh, we don't have much time because uh, the changes happen very fast and people are still very dispersed. Um, there are lots of voices that are raising, uh, that are being raised and there, you know, people are questioning uh, what's happening. Uh, and I think there are some positive friends. So for example, um, I think the, I forgot what's the official position, but the lady who is uh, in the US is a regulator now for uh, the tech. Uh, the anti-monopoly uh, committee in the U.S. Uh, she's, I think, 32 years old. She's been uh, always very vocal about, you know, like need uh, to limit uh, the monopolies that have been created by the tech companies. Uh, so you can see, you know, some of these things happening. The danger is, of course, when this blends with the states, uh, which is what we see in China, uh, and it's very lucrative to the states. So I think that, like, the way to resist it really is to uh, raise awareness, talk about this, educate kids, mm -hmm. um, not just about the laws, right? Like, but about what's appropriate, what's not, and then work on our own consciousness, mm, on uh, because you know ultimately nobody can make you use uh, the device when you know when you know you don't you don't need to and when you take a conscious choice you may still have it with you yeah but you you you, you may choose not to uh, and it's i think it's um, we're much more powerful actually rather than we think well i am because otherwise i wouldn't be doing this work <laughs> um it probably won't be you know, the solution probably won't be, you know, straightforward and probably, you know, like both parties together will create something third. I'm more interested, like, and I'm more worried about the environmental impact of all these things, which is a whole different conversation. Uh, because for me, it's like the fastest risk of uh, screwing things up. Um, because, you know, the digital, like the way the digital economy is developing right now with bitcoins and all of that, uh, without uh, still fully renewable uh, sources of energy is not sustainable. Uh, so if uh, countries are going to use digital currencies, it's going to be uh, create a big pressure on the uh, energy system. But that's <laughs> a totally different podcast. Yeah. And one it's last episode two. Yeah, yeah so this, this could go west, I don't know. Um, but have have we already shifted to a? Um, I don't think we already have. I think we could be out a big chunk of power that's shifted already to a different framework. You, you mentioned that these companies and organisations have more wealth and power than um, than Belgium, um, as an example. Uh, is that what you mentioned? Have yeah. I got that right? Yeah. Um, 
And that, that worries me a little bit because over the last year, year and a half with COVID, we've seen an explosion of people donning new hats, whether that be Deliveroo, whether that be Uber, whether that be Amazon. And all those jobs have been getting filled up because there's been such a demand because of COVID. And um, it almost makes me think about the globalisation and the sort of like way that you're talking about these companies having all that, all of those people working for them and a lot of the power, a lot of the um, consumers are going to them without even a thought. Um, and then I thought a little bit after that, I thought, well, these are the jobs that might even get um, replaced by machines, surely. By, the you know, like delivering goods, delivering stuff, and then that's all, the power's still all there because as consumers, we're going to those organisations, to those companies. I'm sort of going a bit on a tangent here, but I'm just speaking as I'm, I'm thinking. Um, yeah, I, I think and that, that's again this citizenship thing, right? It's uh, being more conscious, you know, do you want to support, you know, Facebook just for, just taking as an example. Do you want to support it with your attention? Um, also, do you want to support it like as a small business advertiser? Because Facebook gets lots of budget from small business advertisers. No, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a conscious choice and I think it's just it's a question of people. I'm, I'm not, by the way, I'm not calling here to boycott Facebook. It's not, it's not going to solve the problem. But I think it's, you know, once you have people uh, starting to ask for more questions, this puts pressure. Yeah. Um, I remember I was having a conversation with Eric Schmidt, uh, who used to be at the time the um, head of Google when I was just starting, five, five, six years ago. And uh, my question to him at the conference was, um, so, you know, you know that uh, there is this problem of digital dependency. What is Google doing or what are you going to do about this? And uh, can we support you in some way? And his answer was, yeah, it's a very important question and it's not our business. And uh, three years after, uh, Google released digital well-being app, right? Or like uh, setting on the Android, and they're trying to get into every single conference to be the top speaker for digital well-being, which is a bit funny, but that's a different question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it suddenly became their business. Why? Because uh, people started talking about this, and this even happened before the social dilemma, right? Because they want to be seen as a social responsible business. Whether what they have released works is a different question, but it actually does not. But um, there is this pressure that we underestimate. Yeah, the pressure of uh, the press of people asking the questions, uh, of people asking the questions to investors. You know, why are you supporting uh, the companies with your money? Why are you investing uh, the money? You know, into something into somebody who is not so transparent, or who is uh, you know creating the algorithms that might be biased and you know discriminating people by the race, and it's happening a lot. Uh, once these questions start to be asked, uh, then uh, companies will have to uh, pay much more attention to these things, even you know if even if they continue with the same business model. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, a big shift or a big um, effort to stay human, I think, and um, to just be conscious, digitally conscious, aware and consciously digital consciously yeah. digital that's why i'm trying to get it in there somewhere <laughs> it's, it's all in the podcast but um there's a lot to think about and it and it's something that probably keeps coming on my radar every you know every sort of month or two um in terms of 
bringing back governance for us. You know, I'm one of those people, Anastasia, that does the mindfulness and the yoga and need takes necessary walks um, for a couple of hours um, to come back. I, you know, the, the sort of the social media in my pocket or the phone in my pocket, I, I am sort of, I do think it is a tinge of anxiety when I do have it as opposed to when I don't have it. So it's something that's um, definitely on my radar and I think this is a great podcast, great conversation to put out there to continue asking the questions and maybe put a bit more pressure on on the machine side of it to to let up a little bit. Yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out also um, to, I hope I get the name right, I think it was uh, Bev Crestoya who I did a couple of sessions with um, through Contour mm. Digital. And uh, I found them really, really useful and they're things I still um, use today. And it's, it, when, we, when we attended your talk in 2018, I implemented these things and then gradually life kind of seeps away at them a bit. Mm. And then I did the sessions with, um, with Bev and again, I kind of implemented them, but more have stuck this time. So I think the more, I think this conversation again, I already feel like, right, I want to make sure I get these rules more defined. It's good to keep getting this stuff reminded and revisit it because mm. the world and life and I was moving house recently and things just creep in and affect those habits and I've noticed actually in lockdown the habits were so much easier to implement but now I've got more like oh can you have a meeting in town or can you do this and it's at different times and mm. it's starting to eat in again so I want to revisit and like have a more flexible rule set that I can stick to but yeah i just wanted to give her a shout out and um yeah we've also got a comment i'll just i'll jump to as well in the chat from claire and our evolve group who's uh who's watching it um on the live stream uh, so she said totally agree that technology downgrades our ability i think our memory is affected by not having to remember as much now as technology does it for us is that something you've come across as well anastasia that we kind of just instead of us trying to find it we just google stuff Oh, yeah, yeah, and there is lots of research that shows that uh, once we do that, then we are compromising not just on being able to retain something, but also, you know, on the creativity, because creativity is based on our ability to connect the dots between the things that we know and the new information, uh, or projecting ourselves into the future, imagining ourselves into the future, making big discoveries. And again, you know, it's just one of the examples of how we are outsourcing our humanity to the machines one step at a time without realizing this. And, you know, thinking, eh, it's very convenient. Yeah, it's, it's this convenience trade-off, yeah, convenience versus progress or convenience versus, like, uh, remaining human, uh, laziness versus hard work, <laughs> we're very tempted by, uh, yeah, if you, if you think again, like, I doesn't matter whether you believe uh, like if you believe or not but I think it's I really like you know this kind of uh, temptation analogy you know what are we tempted by right now now you know like like wealth no now now we're tempted by convenience uh, there is you know what's the price we're paying we only will discover this price when once we have sold you know our humanity our soul whatever it is uh, you believe into uh, for the convenience for or for the speed or and it's and it's a trade-off, and it's a trade-off each of us is making every single moment. Uh, it's uh, the small, small daily actions, and that's why I'm saying, you know, like, think about what is it costing you, your digital habits. It's not just about disabling notifications. It's what is it costing your 
uh, five years from now, ten years from now. So cre children to creativity and memory could be one of the things it's costing us. They they are related, yeah, yeah. And again, like that's that's all signs. Uh, they in fact, uh, creativity, imagination, and memory share lots of similar uh, brain processes, happen in the same parts of the brain. Mm. Just wanted to f finish with those top tips. You just mentioned one of them there, but what is it costing you? Set up rules, manage your spaces, and know your triggers. Mm. Um, I think I've made a note of them to go back and revisit them. Personally, I found this really useful again. I want to go yes. back and revisit everything. Um, but yeah, that was really, really useful. So thank you, Anastasia. Appreciate you coming on. We Thanks will so check much. in again, definitely, I think. I think so too. Yeah, the, the next one we might have... Um, Terminator theme tune coming in yeah. <laughs> leading into the podcast. The AI apocalypse. We'll yeah, do yeah, that, that might be the next. Absolutely. Leave it six months. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, one thing that um, I would love to share with you later, uh, we are now working on guidelines for schools that oh, uh, move really? into digital oh, and for the companies. Oh, yeah. It's basically like one pager with, you know, what are the, like all the top questions uh, that people can ask the parents, whether they're just an employee. Um, I hope we'll have them by early September. Um, so maybe I can share them with sure. you. So you yes, can, uh, we'll share, share them with our... people. They're just free, free documents that help raise awareness. And where yes. can people find Consciously Digital as well? If um... Um, So the website, and we'll be on the website as well by September, but there are also some useful, other useful resources. It's consciously-digital.com. Um, and... Um, you can you can also uh, opt in to work with one of the coaches there, or just you know have a look at uh, what's the latest research, uh, or contact us if you want to give us a hand with anything. Yeah, like we're uh, always looking for volunteers to help spread the word. Definitely, we'll put all those details in the show notes, and we'll be putting them out uh, out on social media. Funny enough. Um, only so during people's set hours to go only, on. Only, yeah, we all, all our followers <laughs> yeah. only go on 6 to 7 not? p.m. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Anastasia. That's been great.